Cool. You see that there's some mats down at the front. So if you are under the age of 12, though maybe if you just enjoy sitting on a mat, you can come and sit down um, at the front, get engaged. Um, Kids club, if you're sort of the age of, sort of, I guess, nine or a bit younger, eight eight to 11, you'll know that when we do kids club, we do a thing called silent seats. Caleb, can you tell me what silent seats are? Sit and zip. <laughs> We're nice and blunt in Kids Club. We say it how we mean it. Sit and zip. So there you go. Ishan's doing a great example. Kids, if you're a little bit younger, have a look at these guys sitting nicely, nice and still, paying attention, okay? I'm going to do my best to keep it interesting, to keep it short, and you're going to do your best to just sit and listen. There's going to be some times where you're going to, I'm going to ask you to engage, okay? But otherwise, you're listening. Um, and trying to take in as much as possible, because there's lots of really good stuff for you, okay? So this August, we've been doing just a little mini-series called The Good Shepherd, Um, and Kerry really uh, lovingly talked to us last week about The Good Shepherd, uh, who comes for us. And I just the thing that stayed with me from last week was just that picture she had of The Good Shepherd, who goes out after the sheep that's gone astray, picks it up lovingly, doesn't scold it, but puts it on his shoulders, and he brings it back to the flock. And that's just really stayed with me this week. It's just like one of them amazing reminders of what Jesus has done for us. Um, so this week, we're going to move on, and we're going to look at the Good Shepherd who restores us. Um, and I guess the first thing that comes to mind is, what do we mean by restores? Kids, I thought I'd give you a few examples to help show you what is restoration, what does restoration look like? So the first one we've got here, great example, nice and local, Big Ben, you might have seen all the tourists have been disappointed. They come to see Big Ben. It's covered in scaffolding. Uh, and they've been doing what's called a restoration. Big Ben's really old. It's quite dirty. It's quite broken down. And so they've been doing lots of cleaning work. This here you can see is the before work. You've got all the guys cleaning it. And actually, this is what it looks like now. It used to be black. I thought the, I thought the clock face was black. It's actually blue. They've done such an amazing job, and this is what they're doing. So that's an example of restoration, okay? Taking something that's broken, damaged, dirty, making it nice and clean and new, and changing it back to what it originally was. Let's have a look at the second one. Here's a really great example. This is from India. This is Mahim Beach in Mumbai. This is what it used to look like, absolutely caked in rubbish and mess. This is obviously not how the beach started, but now look at it. This is what it looks like today. A couple of, uh, I think there was just a few families that got together. They said, we're going to make this our project. Um, And they got together loads of volunteers and they cleaned it up. This is what a beach should have looked like. But it ended up like this. But they restored it back to looking beautiful and new like that. And then lastly, I think the best example, I think the one that we can all remember, uh, is probably this one. Um, A great example. (laughs) Probably we can all remember the time in 2011 when we noticed that Wayne Rooney of old was restored um, and his hairline was made new. He was returned to a state of glory. Okay, his hairline was returned. So this is an example of restoration. That's what it looks like. So that's what, that's what we're going to be looking at. But actually, I think what we know is in our heart of hearts, aside from buildings and the environment and Wayne Rooney... Okay, we know that deep down, this world is in need of restoration. We kind of know deep down that the world that we see today is probably not what it should have been. It's not what it should be. Um, and I think that we, we know that in our consciences, don't we? We know it deep down in our hearts. 
And we see it globally. We look at war and poverty and we think, yeah, this world is in need of restoration. Something's gone badly wrong here. And then we can look locally in London and we think, yep, we can see domestic violence. We can see homelessness and we can think, yep, something's gone wrong. This is in need of restoration. And then we can look at our own lives, can't we? And we can say, personally, I feel hurt. I feel rejected at times. I feel lonely. People have said unkind things to me. And we think, that's not right. Actually, that damage to me, I'm, I'm in need of some restoration. Okay? And the truth is that the Bible agrees with that, okay? The Bible's diagnosis, I think, is the same as ours. It says that all, in Romans, it says, all have fallen short of the glory of God. Okay? So it agrees. Actually, there's a glorious state, maybe like the beach, maybe like you know, how, how Big Ben looks now. That's what it should be like, but it's not like that. And actually, the reason the Bible says the diagnosis is not just, oh, something's got messed up, it happened by accident, these things happen. It says the problem is actually us. It's me personally. Because the truth is, it's not just that I'm in need of restoration. The truth is that I've caused other people hurt. I've used unkind words. I've lost my temper. And actually, the hurt that that causes is what? requires restoration. Um, So we're going to read together quickly because we're going to look today at someone that restores us. We've got the diagnosis. We know what restoration is. We know where we've gone wrong in the world. Actually, let's look at what the Bible talks about. And we're going to look at one psalm together, Psalm 23, which you probably know really well. And we're going to read it all together. Kids, I really want you to join in with this. If you can read, it's on the screen. We're all going to call it out together. Um, And we're going to look at this in some more detail. Okay, on the count of three, ready? Three, two, one. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You'll prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Okay, cool. If we can just flip back to that first part of the verse. So we're going to focus on one particular bit where it says, he restores my soul. Okay, and that's what we're going to look at today in a bit more detail. Um, But the amazing thing about this is, this is a beautiful song by King David, okay? And he's singing a song about this restoration of his soul and what that looks like. And some of the things that he describes are amazing. So he talks about the shepherd and the sheep. And he talks about a rod and a staff of a shepherd and how they comfort us, okay? And I guess that's like... The restoration at work there is like protection and security, isn't it? Where we feel like we're a bit abandoned, where we're lost, we're rejected. The promise here, what David's talking about, is a good shepherd who restores us to feeling safe again, feeling protected and secure. And then it says also, I shall not want. And then later it says, my cup will overflow. So actually, where we feel like we have these ambitions and we're unfulfilled you know, where we feel like the world doesn't quite meet our expectation. The promise here, the good shepherd that David's talking about, okay, he promises that this, this good shepherd is going to restore us to satisfaction, to fulfillment. I'm going to have the things, oh, wow, I'm not going to be wanting. I'm going to have everything that I need. 
And then lastly, it's talking about how he makes us lie down in green pastures, leads me by still waters. And that's just a picture of peace and rest, isn't it? Laying down, resting by still waters is that like really calm thing they do when you're trying to get to sleep, you know, like think of like a babbling brook or being by the ocean. It's that peace and restfulness. So again, where we feel like we are full of anxiety and worry, actually the promise of this good shepherd that David's talking about is that he will restore us to a place of peace and rest. So that's amazing. It's an amazing picture. But the reality is we often are not looking in the right place. We look for different things. And maybe you're hearing that for the first time and you think, I don't think I've ever really known rest like that or peace like that. I think I've always been striving. I don't think I know what that's like. Or maybe you think, well, I don't really know what it's like to be satisfied. I'm always on the lookout for what's next, what's the new thing, what's going on over there. I've never really experienced that. Maybe that's for you. But maybe also, maybe there was a time in your life, or maybe it's semi-regularly, where you go, yeah, I know that. I know that restoration power. I've felt that. I've experienced that. But maybe you don't live it out as a daily reality. Maybe you think, yeah, I get it. But in my heart of hearts, I still were kind of pursuing this dream relationship. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for that best friend. I'm waiting for that husband or wife because I think that's going to make me whole. Or I'm waiting for a dream career. You know, I'm going to get a job that's going to satisfy me. Um, or maybe it's just really temporary things, right? We're in the middle of August. We, maybe we've been waiting for August for a long time, right? Maybe we're a teacher and we're waiting for that school holiday. Maybe we are just looking for the weekend. Maybe it's just Friday night drinks after work or something like that. We think, that is it. I'm living for that temporary rest. We know the truth of it, but really, on a weekly basis, we just, that's it. Hold on for that. That's, my, that's the thing. If I can just get to that, that's going to restore me. But what we want to look at today is two things, okay? Because... Actually, the truth of those things, whatever we've been living for, they can't live up to the restoration power of what David's talking about, this good shepherd. And the reason is the two fundamental things that we're going to look at. And kids, I am going to need your help, so listen up. Okay, there's two things that are fundamental to a great piece of restoration work. Okay, the first one is you need to know what the original creator wanted, right? There's no good saying we're going to turn Big Ben back to its glory when we don't even know what, what was Big Ben meant to be. Or I'm going to turn that beach, I'm going to make it new again. I didn't even know what the beach was like. Okay, so the first thing we're going to look at is you need to understand what the creator originally intended. Okay, so to illustrate that, I need two helpers, kids. Let's have one big and one small. Let's have Rocco, why don't you come up and help? Who's going to, who wants to come up with Rocco? Let's have someone else. Izzy, do you fancy coming and help him? Yeah, come on in. Come on, I'll be calm. Okay, what I've got here is some bricks, okay? I built a beautiful model for Naaman earlier in the week. Um, and unfortunately, he destroyed it because that's his favourite thing is to take apart what I've done. So what I've done is I've brought the bricks along. Izzy and Rocco, what you're going to do is you're going to put it back together for me. So the model that I made, you are wanting you to just think about it. You can ask for help and then you're going to make it. Okay, you ready? You got it? Ready? On your marks, get set, go. Oh, no, not like that. Don't show that yet. We're not showing that. <laughs> no, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah. So you're going you're gonna to work it out. I think you, might have, you may have already got a clue. Come on, guys. Come on, you know what it is. You know what the model is? I think Rocco it actually does. <laughs> He's not meant to. He's going to have a go. Izzy's got her own model thing going on here. She's doing just a little bit of building. We're all joining in. We're all having a go. Has anyone got, if you imagine you haven't seen that, anyone got any suggestions? Anyone want to input a car? 
a tower, any other things that you might want to... These guys need some help here. They don't know what they're making. Just make something tall. Make something what? Okay. The truth is, and these guys... Guys, I'm going to give you 10 more seconds, and then you're going to show me what you've got. 10 more seconds. Okay, we've got a little tower. Okay, this is looking good. Ready? Five, four, three, two, one. Okay, stop. Sit back down in your seats. Let's have a look at what we've got here. Okay, brilliant. That's lovely. Have a seat back. Name and hello, darling. You can sit back down. We've got some, we got some models here, we have, and we've still got a few. In fact, we managed to end up with three things. Four things. Amazing, is he? Lovely. That's beautiful. So we've got four things here. You might be able to see them, okay? So I gave some instructions. I was the creator of the model, okay? And I said, go on and get on with it. This is what I had originally built. There you go. Beautiful. It's a throne. It says Naaman on it. It's the king. It's beautiful. Actually, none of these kids, and they probably should have, right? They should have asked me straight away. That's our instinct, right? Something goes, something's broken. We're going to go and ask the creator. We want to find out what it is that they originally wanted to make, okay? There's people that can chip in bits. They can have ideas. Sometimes people do, don't they? Or we might think, oh, if I just think really hard about it, maybe I can come up with the answer. The truth is, that sounds ridiculous, doesn't it, when we're making that model? And the reality is, in our little London culture, I think there's a, I think there's a tendency for us to look within ourselves, think that answer's within ourselves, Restoration. It's a really powerful message, isn't it? That like what you need in life is balance. Or maybe people talk about it as self-esteem and well-being. And they always talk about it as if restoration is going to come from within me. And that seems so silly when we think about this model. Because it's the equivalent of someone sat down with a broken pile of bricks who has no idea of what the original model was trying to put it back together. They might come up with something beautiful. We've got some beautiful models down here. But it ain't nothing to do with what the creator intended, what the model that I made was. And the problem is, if we don't look at that blueprint, we're going to get it badly, badly wrong. And so I think that's part one of the problem of of where we go wrong in terms of restoration. And if you think about what David's saying, actually, great restoration can only come from going back to the almighty creator. And it says in Romans 20, it says, For since the creation of the world... God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. And so God's really clear in the Bible that the blueprint is available to everyone. The creator has spoken. His intention for us, his plan for glory is widely available. It's there. The instructions are there. But who are you going to turn to? Who are you going to be the sort of person that goes and asks the creator what he wants, or is it going to be other things? So that's part one, okay? That's the first thing that a good piece of restoration needs, okay? You need to understand what the creator wants. But the second thing, we're just going to move these models out of the way. Why don't you go and sit back on the mat, yeah? Go and sit back on the mat and listen up. Um, The second thing that we're going to look at is actually it's not enough to just understand what the creator wants, okay? That's not enough. Because if it was, okay, then things like this wouldn't happen. Should we go to the next slide? Here we go. What a wonderful... <laughs> this is a classic. You might have seen this. went viral like a few years ago. This is a great example, right, of knowing the instructions, knowing what the creator wanted and not having the skill to be able to do it, okay? This was, 
This was a lady, she was called Cecilia Jimenez. Church in Spain had this original beautiful picture of Jesus. It got damaged. And this is what she returned it to. <laughs> what a disaster. Poor thing, she was quite an older lady and she was obviously very embarrassed about it. Um, but it just shows us, doesn't it, that actually she knew what was meant to happen, but she couldn't do it. She didn't have the skill to be able to execute it. And so you can make a real mess even when you know the direction. And the reality is the Bible, isn't it? Kids, you probably know this. is full of stories in the Old Testament of guys that knew what the Creator wanted, spoke almost face-to-face with God, and still blew it. We can go through the Bible, can't we? Noah. Great instruction from God, faithful, built an ark. The flood rains came down. God rescued him. It was a new beginning. And he just went and thought, great, I'm going to get drunk and be sexually immoral. That's what I'm going to do. That's what life's about. Noonie instruction, just couldn't even deliver. Other characters, Abraham, similar. God speaks so clearly to him. You're going to, the generations from you are going to bless the world. And he thinks, great, got to get on it. Right, I need to have a kid. Completely blows what God is trying to say to him, and he makes a complete mess of it. Moses, similarly, right? God does amazing work, doesn't he? Do you remember the story of Egypt? God takes Israelites out of slavery, sends all these plagues, he protects them from this huge Egyptian army, brings them through the Red Sea, and he says to them, There's a land for you that I'm promising to you. And what do they end up doing? The last years of Moses' life, he's just wandering around in a desert because he was so scared of what might happen. He blew it. He knew what the instruction was. It wasn't enough. David, King David. Wow, this should have been a great story, right? Responsibility from these humble origins. God raises him up, says you're going to be the king of this nation. This nation is going to be used to bless the world. Uh, And what does he do? He has an affair, gets a woman pregnant. He murders her husband. And actually, he lets the nation just become a replica of every other nation. Does all the things that God said, I'm setting you apart from. So actually, the instructions ain't enough. We need something more than that. And so this restoration work, it's got to come from somewhere, right? It's not, there's instruction, and then you've got the likes of Cecilia, who's going to, you don't want her carrying it out, okay? We need someone that we can trust to carry it out. Um, and the problem is that we like to think of our lives, or like the problems of the world, like a piece of, it's, imagine it like a piece of artwork that's damaged, like this, in the middle. And it's sat on an easel, Okay, And we like to think of it as there's a creator maybe. Maybe we know there's a creator and he's going to instruct us of what needs doing on this canvas to repair it. And we like to think that we're there with a the paintbrush. Okay, We're ready. God, what do you need me to do? I'm ready with my paintbrush. I'm ready to go. And I think we can find that when we speak to our friends who don't even know Jesus, maybe they have all sorts of different beliefs, they would kind of agree with us, right? They would say, yep, there's a problem in this world, take that far. And actually, yep, I'm ready. What do, what do I need to do? We need to be kinder to people. We need to be more generous. I'm going to stop using unkind words. I'm going to stop lying. I'm going to treat people with respect. Everyone's got ideas about what they can do to fill the gap. But the truth is, and what makes us fundamentally different as Christians, as people that love Jesus, is that we are not the artist. We are not the person that should be there with the paintbrush, ready to go to work on the damage and try and repair it. That's the thing that makes us different. 
We know, who the inst- we know what the instructions are, but I think we sometimes get confused about who the artist really is. We like to think it's ourselves, but the promise of God's restoration is that actually that's not the case. See, what David's talking about is something different. He's actually talking about God himself being the artist at work. If we just flip back up the verse on the screen, go back a few slides. If we just read it in a bit more detail, we can see it all over what David's talking about. Okay? It says, the Lord is my shepherd. It's quite insulting. Do you know, because if he's the shepherd, I'm a sheep. I'm pretty stupid. I, I mean, everything we know about sheep is that they are not the smartest animals. That's quite humbling. I'm the sheep. That's, not, that's a long way from saying I'm the artist. I'm going to go to work. I'm a sheep. He makes me lie down. I don't want to. My instinct is, I want to get going. What can I do? And David's good shepherd is saying, you're going to lie down. You're going to rest. He leads me by still waters. He leads me in paths of righteousness. His rod and staff comfort me. These are all things that God does as the shepherd for our benefit. He's at work. He restores my soul. He is the artist. My life and its broken, damaged um, existence is, is the piece of art. He's got to go to work on it. And so the creator's plan was not just to send us a teacher. He's not just, the Bible is not just a book of instruction. You know, you might talk to a Muslim or a Buddhist. You might talk to just people with all sorts of world beliefs and they will say, I've got instructions as well. I know what, God's, I know what God wants for me. But the truth is, we didn't just get a teacher. We got an artist that would come and do the restoration work. And he sent him in to this world to repair it. And the truth is, we know who that is, right? We know that Jesus gave up his place in heaven. He came to earth. He was humbled. He was born as a baby. And he lived a life much like ours. Yeah, it was different context. It was, you know, 2,000 years ago, a long way away. But he faced the same pains, the same hurts. He endured the same comments and abuse. He endured more physical pain than probably many of us will go through. He endured rejection that none of us will experience. He went through all of it. And so our restorer, the Bible says in Hebrews, it says that he's a high priest who, sorry, he's not a high priest rather, who is unable to empathise with our weaknesses. He's one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, and yet he did not sin. See, ultimately, Jesus dying on the cross, he took our punishment, and actually what that meant is that the damage that we've caused in this world, our own problems, okay, that we said at the beginning was that, you know, most people would recognise. Actually, what God's done, what Jesus has done on the cross is to come into this world and restore it. He's given us instructions. We can't live up to those instructions, But the reality is we have an artist. He's ready to go to work on our lives. And that's quite scary, I think. If your response to that is like, great, here we go, then maybe you have a great walking relationship with Jesus. Amen, that's brilliant. But I think for a lot of us, whether it's times in life or maybe we've never done it, that's a big step is to say that, you know what, I'm not the artist. I'm not the one that's going to carry out this work. I've got to pass over the control to someone else. That's a huge challenge. And I think it's quite countercultural, right, to people that say, the answer's within you. 
more self-esteem, a bit more well-being, balance your life a bit, you know, a bit more, less work, more fun, all these sorts of comments, okay, they're all about you take ownership of your life. And Jesus' message is no. No, if you want the good shepherd, if you want the restoration that David talks about, this beautiful thing, actually, you know what it requires is to hand control over to him. Maybe you've never done that. Maybe that's a, that's a first for you. That's a, it's a, this is an opportunity today. You can say, you know what? I've been doing it myself. It ain't working. I need someone else. And maybe you are one of the people that's just walking day to day, looking for other restoration hopes day to day. I think I would include myself in that. I think I often find there are other things that I'm looking for. If I can just get that, if I can just make that happen... I'm going to feel more peaceful and and satisfied. And actually, the answer is not that. The answer is more of Jesus, handing control over to him, saying, Jesus, you go to work. You know what the creator intended for me. You take control. You do the work in me to bring about what God intended.